This podcast is brought to you by The Empowerment Project. Research proves that empowerment self-defense training makes you safer, period. I want you to have a great self-defense toolkit so you can create strong boundaries, speak with confidence, and take up all the space that you deserve in the world. We'll hear stories from survivors and find out what worked for them and why. We'll interview leaders in the field and talk about tips, concepts, and really easy things that you could do to make yourself safer and interrupt the cycle of violence. I've taught self-defense classes for over 30 years, and I promise to teach you everything I know. Ultimately, I'm going to want you to get some in-person training, but a great empowerment self-defense class is more than just the physical skills. The list of things I want to teach you is endless, so let's get to it. My name is Sylvia Smart, and welcome to The Empowerment Project. Hey, everyone. Hello, and welcome back. I'm really glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk about your voice, one of the most powerful tools in your self-defense toolkit. We're going to talk about how we use this important and powerful body weapon, both in daily life and also in our self-defense. We're going to set ourselves up to use it consciously as a self-defense tool. Again, probably one of the most important tools in our toolkit. In fact, this body weapon, voice, is so important, we're going to take two episodes to talk about it. Today, I'm going to ask you to open your mind to the limitless qualities of your voice and to shine a spotlight on the way that you use it. The next episode will be a little shorter, and it'll be about how we use our voice in our verbal self-defense, which is the words we actually say. They go together, but I want to set the groundwork in this episode by shining our attention and our awareness on your voice. In fact, let's call this episode Voice 101. Let's get started. Talk about empowerment. Oh my gosh, this is the tool I want you to keep front and center in your self-defense toolkit. This is the tool, the engine that drives the empowerment locomotive. This is the tool that has the capacity to change your life. Voice is a go-to in your toolkit. You carry it with you. You always have it at hand. It's your frontline tool, your most steady and trusted friend. This is the heartbeat of empowerment. I can't say enough about it. Voice, take a deep breath and hold my hand. Once you take this leap with me, you'll never want to go back. I have a great self-defense story, of course, but this episode, I'm going to save it till the end because first I want to tell you about how we say what we say and use the story to illustrate what we talk about. So your voice. First things first, think about the ways you can use your voice. Here are a few. You can use words to share information, to tell someone that you love them, to get or give directions, to speak out about injustice, to have a conversation, to negotiate a raise, to say what you need, to process your thoughts, 
to read aloud to your kids at night, to teach, to ask questions and learn, to empathize. There are so many beautiful things we can do with our voices. What else? Think about it. What are other ways you can use your voice to forge connection, to strengthen bonds, and to make your life and the world a better place? Really, just pause for a sec and think about it. Now let's talk about your voice and the capacity of a self-defense tool. You can use it in lots of different ways. To make a boundary, to stand up for yourself or for a friend. You can use it to give commands. You can use it to tell someone to stop what they're doing, to say no, to call out behavior that's unsafe, that feels creepy or is rude. You can use it to say how you really feel deep down inside, no matter how scary it feels, because you are worth protecting. You can yell to draw attention to what's happening. You can use your voice to speak up against injustice. And yes, I'm mentioning this twice. I'm saying it again here as we talk about self-defense because sometimes it can be scary to speak up. And sometimes the situation is about making ourselves, our friends, and our fellow human beings safer. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. How have you used your voice to set a boundary? How do you use your voice every day? How about the times you don't use your voice or have chosen not to speak up? What are different ways you do use your voice even when, especially when, it's scary? There is no right or wrong here. There is no judgment. Empowerment means you get to use your voice, right? Your voice when and how you want to. That includes the choice not to use it. That means you don't have to use it because someone tells you you do, and you don't have to not use it because someone tells you not to, right? You get to make these choices. This is your voice, your choices. There's a poem I want to tell you. It's very short. It's called Hakim's Song of Meditation, and it goes like this. Always in history, those who loved to fight were destroyed. But those who could not fight were also destroyed. Strength and virtue, such alone last and can lead others aright. As a martial artist, as a self-defense teacher, this has always meant to me that knowing how to fight is just one piece of the puzzle. Alternatively, I might never have learned how to fight. Maybe I think it's too aggressive or too scary or I'm just not that interested. That's okay. That's my choice. But to be clear, that means fighting is a tool that I do not have. Possessing the skill to fight means that I also know firsthand how powerful and how potentially dangerous or destructive the choice to fight can be. When you couple that knowledge with the capacity to let go of the ego and be willing to try everything else first, that is the virtue. That is balance. I can always choose not to fight. But if I don't know how to fight, then I don't really have that choice. Knowing how to fight and choosing to use it or not to, that 
is empowerment, my friends. And that is why I want you to take an empowerment self-defense class. I want you to have the choice to fight and to have the choice not to fight as well if you decide that that's the right thing, that that's going to keep you safer or that you're just choosing not to given your situation. But that is a choice I want you to have. I hope this makes sense. I learned this poem within the context of martial arts and fighting, but if you think about it, it's also true in terms of using our voices. If I'm unconscious of the power of my voice, if I don't practice using my voice, if I don't have range, if I am afraid to yell or to cause a scene or to speak up, if I'm unable to use my voice, then what choice do I have? If my default is to not speak up, to not yell, to not say no, that then is not a choice that I have. That is simply a default. Empowerment means you can speak up. You can say no. You can set boundaries. You can cause a scene. You can yell. And you can choose not to, but then it's your choice, not a default. This is empowerment. This is how you choose to walk through the world. This is how you choose to live your life. Your voice has incredible range. It has volume. It has tonality. It has strength and power. Knowing and experiencing all of its qualities means you have choice about how you're going to use it, period. Okay, I think you get the point. In martial arts, we use what's called a kia. When we hit or strike, we make a sound. Each art has a different kia, but the purpose is always the same. When you're hitting, you kia. This is integral for lots of different reasons. One is it helps to carry the power of your strike. Another is that when you kia, if you do it right, you're creating a wall of tight muscle along the front of your body, which can protect your internal organs if someone is actually hitting at you. Another reason is you can put your mouth close to someone's ear when you kia, which hurts all the way into their head, just like a strike. When you kia, you're exhaling air, right? This causes an involuntary response, which is it makes you inhale and breathe. Remember when we talked about primary targets and how we want to cause an involuntary response in our assailant? Well, that goes both ways. And this is how we can use that same principle, but to help ourselves. If I'm scared, I tend to stop breathing. And this is true for most of us. We take a deep breath, <gasps> kind of gasp, inhale, hold our breath. When I kia, or even as you'll learn in an empowerment self-defense class, if you just yell, no, at the top of your lungs, your lungs take care of the rest. They keep us breathing. These are all things that you'll practice during an empowerment self-defense class. So here's a plug. Take an empowerment self-defense class. Also, consider training martial arts. It is so fun. It's an incredible workout. You make a ton of cool new friends, 
And you learn so much and know it is not just for kids. That is BS. You can start martial arts training at any age. I have a student who just started training in her 50s. That is so cool. And she's doing great. Okay, let's talk about your voice as a self-defense tool. As a quick refresher, remember our episode about the continuum of sexual assault and violence? Remember our episode about trusting your body, the one about the testing process? If you haven't yet, be sure to listen to those because they're chock full of relevant information and we're going to call on those things. If someone is using behaviors on any end of the spectrum, the voice is a great tool. It's got the flexibility, the nuance, the power to respond to any threat, large or small. Like I said, it is your go-to body weapon. Here's an example. On the lower end of the spectrum, someone at work makes a comment about your body. You can use your voice to call it out. On the higher end, someone you're in a relationship with is pressuring you to have sex. You can use your voice to say no, and you can couple it with other strategies to keep you safe if things get out of hand. If it's pretty far along the continuum, you can use your voice to lie and say your roommate is on their way home. If it's farther along, you can use your voice to yell and call out to let other people know you need help. Even farther down that line, the continuum, and you can be really, really loud and use your voice as you hit to add power to your strike. And your yelling will hopefully bring help. So the voice is particularly well-suited at the lower end of the continuum. It's, like I keep saying, it's your go-to. On this lower end, this less scary end of the continuum, your voice is a great prevention strategy. It's honestly so much more than that as well. I say this all the time. Self-defense is not just knowing how to prevent assault and learn how to defend yourself. It's about knowing that you are worth protecting. What I mean by that, you can use your voice with friends when they pressure you to do something you don't want to do, with your family asking you to participate in something that you don't want to or you feel is wrong, with your coworkers slacking off or taking credit for your work, with your neighbors who are being loud or inconsiderate, with people at the beach kicking sand on you, with the person in front of you at the game who's wearing a huge hat and you can't see past it. You can use your voice when you're working with a group that's making a decision regarding something you have a strong opinion about. These are all ways that we can use our voices. You can use your voice when someone butts in front of you in line. You can use your voice with your partner or someone in your family when they put you down. You can use it if you're confronted by a racist or a homophobic or a transphobic slur. You can use your voice when or if your friends diss your feelings or don't take your needs into account. You can use it when you see your friend, your child, your family member, another human being maligned, berated disrespected or hurt. When you are demeaned in any way, disrespected or hurt. Do you see where I'm headed here? None of these situations necessarily qualify as a quote, self-defense situation per se, but it might, it could, depending on the intensity of the people and the situation, but it also might not. 
But these are the types of circumstances that are important to take note of. Why? Because this is where empowerment lives. This is where we get to make choices. If my default is to not use my voice, then I don't have much of a choice other than to put up with it or maybe walk away or feel like a martyr, get a bunch of resentments. Ultimately, the choice of no choice might very well put me at risk if we keep this within the context of empowerment self-defense. I don't know about you, but I've lived that way and it sucks. Let's be honest. Most things in life are very much out of our control. What you think of me, what you do today, what my neighbors do or believe, that stuff is not in my realm of control, but I can affect my own choices, who I let into my personal space, how I keep myself healthy and sane, how I speak up and let others know how I feel, what I want, how I think, what my boundaries are. That is all stuff I can do. And often, almost always, it starts with voice. On the other hand, and I've lived this way too, if my understanding of empowerment is to be aggressive and angry, that can sometimes work, but it can be pretty ineffectual as well, especially with behaviors and situations that are on the lower, kind of calmer end of the continuum. Let's take an example of the ones from the ones I just mentioned. Say my coworker keeps using my ideas and touting them as their own. Maybe I have every right to be pissed, and maybe I choose to deal with this by raising my voice and creating a scene. That might be what the situation calls for. But if it's my default or if it's my go-to because I've waited and waited and waited and haven't spoken up right from the start till I feel like I'm going to explode, and if this is the extent of my verbal and voice tool in my toolkit, I could lose my job. Things could not work out for me. If this particular scenario would end better for me with a conversation, naming the behavior right from the start, and clarifying my boundaries the very first time I notice it happening, then that is a choice I want to be able to make if I decide it's in my own best interest. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say here is, as an empowerment self-defense teacher, I want you to have all the choices available to you. The more options, the better. The more awareness we have about what's actually happening and the more options we have for dealing with them, the more empowered we are and the more able we are to adapt and speak up sooner and more effectively and in our own best interest. That is empowerment. Your self-defense starts the moment you feel, see, hear, notice, are aware of anything that makes you uncomfortable. 
anything that is a red flag, whether your situation is full-on self-defense threatening or whether it's just plain annoying. That is when we speak up. That is when we create boundaries, call it out, look for support, change it up, step out of the way, leave, or anything else the situation calls for. And often, this is a perfect time to use your voice. Why do I say this? And if something is simply annoying, why does it bear noticing and responding to? What does this have to do with self-defense? Remember how we talked about stranger danger and how it's less likely than us being faced with a threat by someone we know? Well, this is your empowerment self-defense because every time you speak up, every time you create a boundary, stand up for yourself, call out a behavior that makes you uncomfortable, you're doing a few things. Number one, you're creating integrity with yourself. You're showing yourself that you can count on you, yourself, to keep your own best interest in mind, even if it's slightly uncomfortable. Because if you practice when it's uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable, then you get better at doing this when it's a little more uncomfortable and even more uncomfortable. Number two, you're proving to yourself in lots of small ways that you're worth taking care of and protecting. And number three, you're practicing speaking up, like I just said, when the stakes are on the lower end, which makes it easier when the stakes are higher, when there is an actual threat, because you have this whole body of practice. You've practiced words, you've practiced strategies, you've practiced what it feels like to be uncomfortable and to speak up. You know that you can do it. And number four, you're showing everyone else that you will do what it takes to step in and take care of yourself. You're making yourself what we call, quote, less selectable. Think back to the episode on testing. If indeed someone is checking you out to see how you react when your boundaries are crossed, speaking up early, calling it out, lets them know right away from the get-go that you are not a good choice. So it keeps you safer. Just a little reminder that there is no victim blaming here. There is no judgment. So if you've been assaulted and you didn't speak up, or you tried to speak up, or you did speak up, what happened was not your fault. Because of the way it works, sexual assault and violence tend to bring guilt and shame onto the recipient, the victim, so to speak, who then bears that weight. I want to end that right here. That guilt and that shame means we can end up doing all sorts of contortions, like pretending it never happened, or pushing it deep down inside, or blaming ourselves for what happened, or never talking about it. And these things all carry with them a huge cost to our mental, physical, and spiritual selves. Empowerment self-defense is about healing and about being able to move on, to step into our own light, our own power, and our own lives. You are worth protecting on every level. You deserve to take up space on planet Earth. You deserve to breathe the air we all breathe and to live a life full of your deepest and truest potential. You 
are limitless. You deserve to thrive, really thrive. Empowerment self-defense can be an important part of that journey. I know it, I've experienced it, and I've seen it hundreds and by now thousands of times. Using, really using your voice in all the amazing and varied ways it can be employed is a huge piece of your self-defense toolkit. I feel like a broken record, but I think you get the point. Let's keep going. Let's talk about different aspects of voice. There are lots of things that we don't get to choose about our voice, like the pitch, the tonality, the timbre, and how the actual physiology of our vocal cords and voice box all work together. But we do get to choose how and when we use it and what we say. There are also plenty of ways we can affect and impact how our voice sounds and the way it carries the message that we're communicating. We're going to talk about all of it. Little plug for context. And also a little word about judgment. I'd like to see us be mindful about our own judgment of other people's voices. There are differences in norms in various communities across the country and around the globe that influence things like word choices, slang, accents, colloquialisms, tone, and stuff like that. Keeping context and cultural differences in mind means that we can see past some of the stuff that gets in the way of us communicating as human beings with one another. Finding the similarities and seeing the beauty and depth of the differences means we're actually listening one authentic human to another. Let me give you an example. I spent a year in Puerto Rico in college, and at first I was actually kind of alarmed by the amount of loud arguments I saw across the campus of the university. I felt like everyone around me was always finding, and it actually made me a little anxious. When I finally shared that with my roommates, they thought it was hilarious, and they had a good laugh. This is how we talk, they said. They showed me that passionate discussion was the norm within the cultural context of that place, that campus, Puerto Rico itself, those students. And I, I actually grew to love that, love that feeling, the life of the discussions. And I learned how to throw myself into conversations with a new energy. It was very humbling and really fun, and it was inspiring. So that's what I'm talking about. I want to talk about the physical, the physiological, and the psychological components of voice. I want to talk about the embodiment of this tool, this body weapon, the way your voice, my voice, our voices are impacted by what's happening with all the different aspects and parts of who we are. Let's talk about how the vibration of your voice is affected by your mood and your thoughts and your state of mind because it is. Like I said earlier, each of us has a physiology that we can't do a ton about, but there are many ways we can affect the quality of our voice. If I'm feeling less than or unlovable or self-conscious 
or insecure. This will manifest in my voice. Likewise, if I'm feeling angry or scared, confused or resentful or anything, this can totally affect the way the words come out of my mouth, the way I'm conveying them, the way that I'm speaking. Alternatively, if I feel calm, clear, strong, capable, sure, competent, and empowered, that will be unmistakable in my voice, in the way that I'm speaking, in the sound as it's being carried out of me into the world, packaged in my words. Words. We're going to talk about words in the next episode when we talk about verbal self-defense. This one, this episode, it's all about the other stuff. What other stuff? My voice, your voice, our voices are so much more than just the words that we say. The voice has qualities like timber, pitch, volume, force, strength, intensity, and so much more. Let's, let's start to break it down. Let's talk about timber or inflection. The color or the sound quality of the voice. Think about this. I can say the same thing lots of different ways with very different results. I'm going to just pick a simple phrase. I don't want to. Here you go. Listen for the differences in the way I can say this exact same thing. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Those are just four examples, but you can hear the difference in the inflection. Does that make sense? That's a piece of how we communicate the words that we're saying. Let's talk about pitch. It's kind of similar to timber. Watch for this. In our society, I'll leave my social commentary out for the moment. A lower pitch is associated with more power. So that means if you're small, your child, or you're a small person and you have a high voice, that can have an impact on the way people interpret what you say. There's a lot about this, about the physiology that we can't impact, but we can lower our voice even just for a moment to get someone's attention. For example, this is my normal pitch, the one that I'm using right now. If I'm put in a situation where I'm not being listened to, though, or if I feel threatened, I might pull it down a bit and say, hey, listen, that is not okay with me. So you can hear the pitch lower. That's a choice I make because I've practiced this and I know how to use this tool. Let's talk about volume. Different volumes are going to be appropriate for different situations. This is totally something you have the capacity to control and practice. Down at the lower end of the continuum, I don't need to be yelling commands at people. If someone makes a comment about my body, I might choose to yell. But if it's my neighbor and I have to live next door to them, I might be able to say exactly what I need to say without the volume. Stop talking about my body versus stop talking about my body, right? It's up to you. It's your call 
taking everything into consideration. This is about what's best for you. It's about you having the choice to have a loud voice or a small voice or anything in between. If my neighbor has to now mostly been helpful, letting me borrow their power tools, letting me have my friends park their cars in front of their house, not banging on my apartment wall when I'm listening to my music really loud. So if they've mostly been okay, then I might make the call that for me, it's in my best interest to state my boundaries in a way that's clear as day, but doesn't create a rift that's going to be deep enough that now it's really uncomfortable and I can't borrow the tools, right? In other words, there's no right or wrong. You and only you can make that call after you weigh all the possible outcomes and figure out what's best for you. Eventually, you'll have enough practice that you don't even have to think about it very much. You'll be aware and speak up right away, no question. And that will be that. Now, still on volume, as we move down toward the kind of more intense end of the continuum of sexual assault and violence, your voice may very well need to be louder. You might need to crank up the volume. And I want you to be able to do that anytime, any place, under any circumstance. There are ways you can practice, and I'm going to share some of them with you in just a sec. Okay, let's talk about the force or like the bigness or the strength or the intensity of your voice. It's different than volume. It's more towards like the resoundingness of it, like a tiger's roar than a screeching bird. So this is when we open the mouth, open the jaw, relax your jaw like when you yawn. I think it goes without saying that when we want to use our voice, our words as a self-defense tool, strength, intention, intensity, those are important to practice, to know that you have so that you can call on them when you need them. Let's take that same, um, that same example, uh, I don't want to, and let's try it a couple different ways. I can whisper, I don't want to. I can mumble, I don't want to. Or I can use force, I don't want to. Strength goes a long way toward conveying the power of my conviction. Yelling. Let's talk about yelling. It's so important that you know that you can yell. One of the fun things that we do in my classes is yell. Sometimes it's the first time a person has been given permission to be really, really loud. Yelling is fun. Being loud feels good. You open your mouth, you drop your jaw, and it's that same, um, like when you go to the doctor's office and they say, okay, say ah, and you kind of drop your tongue in the back. And when your voice comes out from your diaphragm through your open, like whatever that is, windpipe, past your vocal cords, through your mouth, it is very resounding and it feels really, really good. Yelling. And again, it's yelling, not shrieking. Yelling 
is your ability to shout at the top of your lungs whenever you need to. And if you haven't had the opportunity to practice, I highly recommend it. Yelling, again, it's not howling or wailing or shrieking. Yelling is expelling the air in your lungs with full force through a wide open mouth, open jaw, open throat, so that the sound is like the roaring of a tiger. It's cathartic, it's empowering, and it can save your bacon. Sorry if you're a vegetarian. But what I mean is this is a great tool. It's important. I want you to know that you know how to yell, even if you're scared, especially when you're scared. So here's my self-defense story. And it's hopefully it illustrates the things that we're talking about, that what's important is not so much the words that we say, but how we say them. I was traveling. I was living in another country in a very rural, um, I was actually living in a city, but I was traveling into a very rural and very remote mountainous region. And I speak English. I had been learning the other national language and was proficient at it. But where I was traveling, many people didn't speak either of those two languages there were other languages that were spoken. I was in a very crowded market, and I was being very respectful in terms of my, the way that I comported myself and the way that I um, dressed. I was sure to be covered and polite. I was in this market, and somebody grabbed my butt and I got really pissed. I had been putting up with a lot of mistreatment um, as a woman in this particular country, and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. So whether I was right or wrong to do this, this is what I did. I started yelling at the top of my lungs. I turned around, I faced the person, who had grabbed my butt, I put my hands up and I started yelling and I yelled obscenities and I said things like, you grabbed my ass. I don't like it. Don't touch me. Don't you ever touch another woman again. And I yelled in a very fierce tone and this person put their hands up, and they started walking backwards. And they knew exactly what I meant. Everyone around me knew exactly what I meant, whether they spoke English or not, because the words weren't as important as everything else, like my body language and the tone of my voice, the volume of my voice, the clarity of the words as I spoke them, like all of those things played a huge role. I would say it wasn't the smartest move for me. It was, it was dumb. I was young. I was pissed. Um, I would not make that choice again. But I use this story just because it illustrates so well all, the, all of the parts of voice besides the words. 
So how do you practice these different aspects of voice? How do I play around with my voice to make it more resounding or clearer or more confident? How do I practice? How do I, how do, I do this? Sometimes it takes a little internal work, like therapy or processing with friends, getting to a place where you know that you have value and you feel like you deserve to speak up. Therapy and friends can really help with this, and this cannot be understated. You are worth protecting. And the more you believe that, the more that will be conveyed in the words that you say and when you choose to speak up and how you choose to speak up. You know I'm going to say this. Take an empowerment self-defense class. It's a safe place where you get to hit stuff and you get to yell and practice yelling. In an empowerment class, you're going to get to learn more about your voice and how to use it in lots of different scenarios. So practice, practice, practice. There are physical exercises that you can do, like you can take voice lessons. You can work with speech and communication specialists. You can try, play around with using your voice when you're standing in a power pose. See how it feels. You can practice yawning and saying, ah, and really feel the air as it comes up and out and resounds and echoes through your mouth into your ears. You could practice waggling your tongue like babies do when they, when they blabber. That helps relax the tongue and the jaw and the throat so that your voice comes out more relaxed and less kind of tight and screechy. And when we practice with our voice in like throughout the day in our daily lives, then when we're scared and th or feeling threatened and our vocal box tends to constrict and our voice tends to go higher, we've practiced and we know how to get back to that place where it's more relaxed. Okay. You can also train martial arts, so you get to practice doing your Kia really loud. I can't say enough about breathing. Breathing is a huge impactor of the quality of our voice. If your tendency is to hold your breath or to talk until you're almost out of breath, this affects the message as it comes out with the words. So use your diaphragm when you breathe. Take your fingers, like your to your pointy and your middle finger, put them on the point of the upside down V of your ribs, like right where your ribs meet. Breathe past your fingers down into your belly. You should see and feel your belly expanding, feeling it rise and fall. Now you know you're actually filling up your lungs all the way down into the bottom of your lungs and out to the sides of your lungs. Practice sustaining your exhale. And you can do that. Here's a really fun way. You could take a deep breath and blow bubbles. Just blow a really long stream of bubbles. This strengthens your lungs and it trains you how to sustain your exhale, which if you're yelling really, really loud, having the capacity to sustain your yell not a bad plan. Exercise. Exercise, just like going for walks and jogs and, you know, 
getting to that place where your heart rate is up, that goes a long way towards building the strength of your lungs and your physiology. Other things you can do, practice and planning, especially with words, practice and planning, I can't say enough. Role plays, this breeds confidence because you go into a situation already knowing what you're going to say. Write out what you want to say. Ask a friend to listen and help. Ask them to take the scenario and role play it with you and find the words. Find the words that help you say what you need to say and practice using volume, using your power pose, using, you know, a lower voice. If that's what you feel like you need to do, practice all the different parts of it, not just the words. You can practice yelling. If you have a car, you can roll up the windows, and as you're driving along, you can just practice yelling, no. If you go to a professional ball game, or if you go to a gym, or outside on a basketball court, you're playing a game, that's a great chance to practice yelling. If you go to protests and you practice chanting, that is a great opportunity to practice yelling, not screeching, right? But yelling at the top of your lungs. If you're out on a hike, it's really fun to yell hello and listen for your echo. There are lots of different ways you can practice. Words are important too. The words that come out of your mouth can come out in different ways. We're going to talk about the actual words themselves next episode. But with regards to how they come out, there are things that will affect what you say. Things like speed. When people are nervous, we tend to pick up the speed and the words come out kind of jumbly or just really fast. Clarity can affect the words, how they come out. When we're purposeful in our words, when we're thoughtful and clear, we tend to speak clearly and with fewer of the ums and little bits and pieces like stray giggles or odd punctuations that we often use when we're unsure. Mumbling. Mumbling tends to happen when we're unsure and insecure. I like to say fake it till you make it. If you're a mumbler, this is something you could really practice. Taking a deep breath, slowing it down, and speaking your words clearly. By the way, all this stuff we can practice in a mirror or in front of the computer. Strength. Words tend to carry force and muscle when we're sure and feeling forthright and calm. I think this is enough for today. I don't know about you, but my head is spinning. Next episode, we're going to pick up here and talk more about words. What words? Which words we choose? Which ones to use? And how we can practice using the words to create safety and empowerment in our lives. For today, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening and for doing what it takes to stand up for yourself. You are worth protecting. And that's a fact. Take it easy and see you next time. It's affirmation time. This is how I end every self-defense class. It's kind of cheesy, but it's very cool. And this is how it works. We're going to do like a little call and response. If you can say 
this out loud. If you can repeat after me, do it, because it's important, I think, for you to hear your own voice. But if you can't, like if you're on a crowded subway or someplace where it's embarrassing, don't worry. You can also just say it inside your head. Okay, so I'm going to say something and you're going to repeat it after me. I'm going to give you space to do that. And at the end, we're going to say yes. Here we go. Repeat after me. I am worth protecting. I love myself. I belong. I deserve to take up space on planet Earth. I am a strong and powerful person. Yes! Woohoo! And hey, as a wrap up, will you do me a favor? Will you do all the things that you do when there's a podcast? Like, will you tell your friends? Will you subscribe? Will you come back each week? Communicate with me? Review this podcast? Like, all those things to help get more bandwidth, help more people find out about it. That would be super awesome. Take a deep breath. You are amazing. Thank you for being with me. See you next time.